Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Actually, kind of, it's a troubled time, which means Zolgad and Star Tribune sports columnist extraordinaire, my good buddy, Chip Scoggins. What's up, man? How are you? Free agency, man. Oh, boy. These were the days. These were the day. They were long days, huh? Back in the Access Vikings times, when we when we'd be when you'd be hightailing it down three ninety four, following the Vikings car with TJ Hushmanzada. Yeah, but it's so different now with the the legal tampering, right? Remember yeah. how it was where it would start at midnight, right? And so yes. we'd be up till what two or three in the morning blogging because. Um, well, it's funny at twelve oh one, all these deals with these elaborate, complicated deals would magically get done in thirty seconds and announced in a minute later. But um, but it's just so much different now with the legal tampering that it's just like a I don't say it's anticlimactic, right? But it's you know what's going to happen on Wednesday by and large because Wednesday is basically the last of the first wave being over. Correct? Yes. Yes, and I I feel like now now that the uh, pandemic has affected this for sure, Chipper. But I feel like now because of, of the quote unquote legal tampering period that you don't get the visits now as much that you actually yeah. have the conversations. I remember so. Yeah, I remember one year. Story. <laughs> I remember one year that we were covering it together, and I want to say it was twelve oh one a.m. Eastern time, eleven. 1 a.m. or p.m. Central Time, and I swear to God, it was announced Albert Hainsworth had agreed to a deal, mm-hmm. and it's literally a minute into the free agency period, and by the way, back then, there was no quote-unquote legal tampering period, and that's yeah. when you knew, you know, every one of the significant deals got done at the Combine, probably over drinks and steaks at St. Elmo's. Yes. Well, Judd, I mean, how many stakeouts have we been on? Do they do players even do visits anymore? Well, I mean, be, I mean, I know the pandemic yeah. can't or probably, but was it is it as big a deal as it used to be? Because I mean, that was the thing: you'd fly in, you'd have the dinner at at, at Manny's or wherever, and then, um, and that happened all across the league. They would the guys would come in. Is that still a thing? You know, once the pandemic's done. I guess it might be, but I I don't know. I don't know. So Kirk did, right? Because did Kirk sign the year before we started the legal tampering period? Was that the year before? This is what, the fourth year of the league or third year of the legal tampering? That's what I was going to say. I, I want to say that Kirk Cousins was my – Kirk Cousins in March of 2018 might have been in the last year where you started free agency and that started the onslaught. And so so because as I recall – we used to judge the importance of the Vikings free agent class by where they took them, which was That's right. which was Manny's. Yeah. Because um, if they took you to eat in Eden Prairie, it didn't mean you stunk, but you weren't as good as if they took you downtown. You were going downtown. If you're going downtown, you're a big fish. Um, yeah. I mean, so Kurt made a visit here, correct? Yes. They took him to – actually, you know what? They took him to a chain downtown. What what steakhouse was that that they took him to? He didn't go to Manny's. He didn't go to Murray's. He went to one of the. I want to say it's on Hennepin. Maybe he went to. A, they took him to a chain place. Really? And because the, they hunted him down, because the the reporters, the B people, hunted him down and talked to him after he got done, 
Oh, it's a it's a mainstream it's a mainstream good restaurant, but it wasn't Manny's. Oh, 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 uh, oh! I know. Uh, yeah, it'll come to me. Keep talking. I'll think of it. It'll yeah, keep, it's by yeah. Se- it's near it's near seven, but it's not seven. Yes, I which know, is not I a know chain only. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, those were the days. I mean, you, you mentioned T.J. Hushmanzada, and that was uh, <laughs> that was some of our best work. Um, so you remember, like at the old Winter Park. When you pulled out of the facility, you could go left, you could go right. So Judd and I, I think I was on the right. Judd was on the left. So that limousine was not pulling out without one of us following it. So we were both in our cars, and it pulled out my direction. So Judd goes back to the workroom. Yep. Gets set up at the computer. I, I'm 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 chasing the the limousine. We have, we have a tail on it. Um, got my hat pulled down, yep. collar flipped up. Yep. She can't see me. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like shrinking down in my in my seat, so because um, if I remember correctly, uh, Mark Wilf was in the limousine with him, and the it was weird. I don't know why, but they um, was it Fred Pugich or another assistant coach that he must have known from college or another stop. Okay, was it was in the limo because they went down. They, he was staying at that at the uh, Hilton there, yes. downtown. Yeah. So, Follow this car from Eden Prairie down to Hilton. Calling Judd on the Judd, on the phone with Judd the whole time. Judd is live blogging. You're live blogging this car chase. Yes, and I loved it. You said for security reasons we can't tell you what hotel he's in. Yep, <laughs> like this was the president. It was so much fun. I love that. And you were that tailing him, and it, it was great. Man. Oh, and man, and and I remember we knew that they were in trouble there. Well, two things happened in the pursuit of Ushmanzada that led you to believe that the Vikings might not get, get him, and ultimately they didn't. Seattle did. The first was that he went to visit Seattle first. And ordinarily, back then, when a free agent left a facility, it was death to that team, yeah. right? Yeah, he, but if, he was done. But yeah. if, if you recall at the time, Jim Mora Jr. was the coach of the Seahawks, and mm-hmm. he gave Hushmanzada, was it an expensive um, watch that was like his or his? I, don't remember the exact oh, detail. Oh, yeah, said bring it back. But he said bring it back. And then I knew the Vikings were screwed and because I believe it was the same night that you put the tail on the the uh, car going downtown. Who, they had courtside seats at the Wolves game that night. And it was mm-hmm. supposed to be like Mark Wilf, Hushmanzada, and some players or something. I forget. Yeah. And Hushmanzada blew it off, and he didn't go. That's right. And we said, okay, you're done now. <laughs> Because we went back the next morning because we staked and then we staked out the, the hill. We were going to get there the next morning and try to talk to him, and he was already long gone. Yes, and we're like, yeah, he decided. So who who are the wide receivers at the time that that TJ was getting this kind of treatment? I mean, were they that desperate at wide receiver? Barry, I can't remember, Barryan was still here. So Barry, okay, and they had signed him, and I mean, they they put the full court press on Bernard Barryan to get him from the Bears a few years before that. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think at that time Barian. So was that before? Was that so right that before the Harvin draft, Chip? Would that have been two thousand eight? So did they take Harvin that that spring? Or or, or was it free agency two thousand eight? Or was it free agency two thousand nine? And then they took Harvin in April. Well, I'll find it. I'll find it here. Sydney Rice been there then? Uh, yes. Yes, but he was so hurt. They had Barian and Sydney, and they were doing this to try to get TJ Hushman's eyes too. Yeah, but but if I think you, it was 2008, Judd. Okay, because if you recall, um, at that point in time, Rice had sort of been a bust. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and so they probably thought that they were going to pair Barian and Hushman Zada. Because it wasn't until Brett came along in 2009 that that Rice had the one year where he was unlocked and was so fantastic. Yeah, so this had to be the year before before yeah. Barb got there. So it had been 2008. Yeah, so I'm it Googling probably it. just. It might have been. No, nope. might have been the uh, March the of Percy. What's that? March of two thousand nine. So it was before Percy. Really? So and and at that point in time, in March of two thousand nine, I don't know that it had gotten out that Percy had failed the drug test at the combine, and so they mm. probably thought there was no chance on God's green earth that they could get Percy Harvin. That's probably yeah. what it was. So were we on Farwatch then too? Mm. When did Farwatch start in two thousand nine? That was early. Remember, it wasn't he. Because in the spring is when he started throwing football, right? He'd already been released by the Jets, correct? And we thought he was retired. No, no, he didn't. So the Favre thing was, so so the Vikings tried to get Favre from the Packers. The Packers said no. They traded him in 2008 to the Jets. 
Yes. Favre uh, then played the entire 2008 season with the Jets. And in March of 2009, he, we thought that he was still going back to the Jets. And it wasn't okay. until April of 2009 that he retired from the Jets. Oh, uh, okay. But he okay. knew exactly what he was doing. What he was doing, yeah. And we so, Favre Watch, yeah. And Favre Watch, Chip Scoggins, let me tell you when Favre Watch 2009 officially kicked off because. Don Zolgad will never forget it. <laughs> May fifth, her birthday, two thousand nine. Oh, yeah. We are yeah. dri- we are driving downtown, or I'm sorry, no, we're cabbing it because we're two responsible adults about to get drunk. Yeah, and we are in a cab, and we are on three ninety four, probably the exact same area that you were during your Hushman's out of tail. And I get a text from Seifert saying, "Did you see the fire thing?" And I'm like, "No, what?" <laughs> And that's when we, and that's when there was loose word, I believe, that Childress was fixing to go see oh, Brett. Okay, okay, yeah, that that makes sense because uh, your wife Don and my daughter Megan uh, share a birthday, so we probably both were um, caught off guard on that day, um, <laughs> and thus it began. <laughs> yep, and I said, "Honey, I am going to the office. I will just walk there when, once we get to the bar because it's downtown, and I will see you at some point later tonight." I'll see you. Happy in birthday! Exactly. In Little did I know what I was. <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> oh my gosh! What a year! So who would have thought? I, I I I totally forgot. TJ was that same year. I thought it was the year before, but um, mm, what an epic year that was. Blogging a car chase might be a highlight, a top five highlight of Judd Zolgad's career. He, so did, did as a postscript, did, did Hushman Zada went to Seattle, right? He yeah, back. it wasn't he, good. And he only had like a year or two after that, right? He didn't yes. play much longer, did he? No. Um, so that was probably one that worked out in their favor that they didn't give because I'm sure they would have given him a a pretty big contract at the time. Um yeah, it's just it's it's just different now with free agency with this with this tampering period. Um, probably better for the beat writers' sanity that they don't have to wait till midnight for all this stuff to. I never understood that either, Judd. Like the NFL is so great about marketing. Like, why would you put something on? And I guess fans would stay up and watch it, but just in terms of like TV and I'm with you and, new, and newspapers to have something major news happening at one in the morning never really made sense. Exactly right. Well, and plus, you, you, by that point, I think they were, you know, what, 10 years, 15 years in to owning their own network chip. So, like, you've got programming. If you start, if you start free agency like they do now, which is officially going to start uh, at 3 p.m. Central today on Wednesday, you know, you've got built in programming that people are going to watch and then to your point you're, you're like yeah but we'll start it at midnight eastern never made yeah. sense and this makes sense um but i i think to your point about the tampering as well it's not probably as much fun now because because the deals leak out and you don't yeah. have that excitement of of a guy going to see a team sit down and then leave, and you're like, okay, now he's going to, you know, pick your team, sure. and that and the drama that unfolded that way was, I think, from a fan's perspective, probably a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, because basically, you know, like today, guys are just signing the contracts, and the teams will announce officially what's already been reported for like three days. Yeah, um, yeah, like the Vikings will, you know, announce the signs that they have, and and Tomlinson, and but it's already been discussed and everything for a couple of days, so. Um, yeah, it probably doesn't have that surprise wow factor uh, all in one day um, that that you know we used to have. But um, Vikings mm-hmm. what, struck out some. Um, I guess it's still early, but the, you know, I guess they're gonna have to fill some of the holes in the second wave. Um, you know, <laughs> yes, obviously. Sir. Obviously, getting the defensive tackle, I think, probably helps. Although, is it weird that he's a nose tackle, but they're playing him at three technique? I, I guess they don't. You know, they obviously know better than us um, how easy or difficult that is. But um, sounds like they thought they're getting the same guy as Pierce, or Pierce thought they were getting the same player as him. You know. Yes. Yeah. Well, here's here's what I think. I think Zimmer, in in typical Zim fashion, Chip, 
I think he saw the fact that his run defense was 27th, 27th, which for his teams is awful. I think he watched that Christmas Day debacle against the Saints when they couldn't stop a single Saints back. And he said, never again. Here's my comeback. Because I do think that Dalvin Tomlinson is probably a good player. So, like, this is not a bad player. The My comeback, though, is, okay, so your three technique is going to essentially be a, a person who is better off at nose tackle. You, a stuffer. Yeah, exactly. Michael Pierce, who was your big free agent splash a year ago, is the same player. So who's going to get the push, right? Like, who gets who gets the push? Because in 2021, in this league now, you know— Three yeah. techniques, get a push, and they're immediately in a quarterback's face, and that's a big advantage. Well, um, two things. Maybe they're hoping that, the, you know, most of the pass rush is going to come from Neil on the outside and whoever. I assume they're going to try to find somebody on the other side. They, they struck out a couple times already. Yep. And maybe maybe they just think with, with – with, uh, Andre Patterson coaching them that that uh, this guy can give more there, you know. Maybe they feel like they can do something technique wise or whatever that can that can um, you know help this guy become more of a pass rusher than he than he's shown more than just being a run stuffer. But I think your first point is a hundred percent correct that for a defensive guy as them is and any defensive coach, what do we always hear every single thing? Time first out out of their mouth. Got to stop the run. Got to stop the run. If you can't yes. stop the run, you, you you can't do anything. If you can't stop the run, you can't stop anything. And so I think how bad they were at that last year, and just seeing them getting gutted time and time again, that I think Zimmer's probably more inclined to say, you know what, let's fix that, and then um, getting Daniel back will help the pass rush. Obviously, they'll figure out the other things. I don't I mean I know they brought Weatherly back, but. I don't think that they're counting on him being a starter to you. I think he's no. more of a situational guy. So nope. um, I don't know what other pass rushing ends are out there um, for free agents. Maybe you have to find it. You or know, trade. For a trade or hope that another veteran gets cut, you know, because of money. The thing is, it's, it's come to fruition what we talked about, Judd, right? A lot of veterans are getting cut not by, because of performance, but because of their salary. Yes. Um so you see teams, I think they'll get a, a a corner here pretty soon. But um, the thing I think about writing, Judd, is, is the old adage about line play, man. <laughs> I, I think Zimmer's showing it on defensive side, and, and I assume now the offensive line is going to be the focus for the draft, <laughs> would you assume? It has I, to be, right? I guess. I don't, I don't know, Chip. I mean, it always feels like we spend – you know, a year pounding the drum on this is the year that you have to pay attention to the offensive line and we end up like this. I mean, right now, the left side of their offensive yeah, line is barren. There's no one there. Left tackle. Who starts at left tackle game one? If I was to handicap it right now, I would say Brian O'Neill and the question becomes who starts at right tackle. Yeah. Did and this is kind of far fetched I have been so engrossed in Patino watch. Did Riley Reef sign somewhere yet? Nope. No, he's still out is there. there. Is still there out. any way that he looks around and, and sees the market is not great? Could he come back? Yeah, sure, he could. On a lesser deal, I don't know that he will. Right, you know, uh, assume somebody will give him maybe more than what he could get here. But um, yeah, they got, I mean, you know, it's it's Mar- it's mid March, so I don't think it's time to panic over the left tackle yet. But yep, who's the guy? Well, no. well, Chip, I'll I'll run this past you. So o- O'Neill is going into the, I believe he's going to be in the fifth year option of his uh, contract in 2021. Okay, mm-hmm. they're going to have to pay him. Like he's played oh, really yeah, you're, well. You're he's a that. good player. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It, if you go back to, I think it was his last year, which might have been his junior year with the Pitt Panthers. He played left tackle back then. Okay, mm-hmm. so they might figure, you know what, bleep it, we'll move him. We'll certainly have to pay him more, but he's a good player. We'll move him to left tackle, give him the opportunity there, and reward him for playing that spot as opposed to Reef coming back at what, the age of 32 or so. So mm-hmm. I think there's actually a case to be made there, but it, it just, it always feels like the offensive line gets sort of put on, you know, 
the back burner here. And then you're like, what are you going to do there? And the Vikings are like, yeah, but what about our defense? That's how it's just sort of all it, year after year after year now. That's my takeaway. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, it's not like they haven't, you know, I mean, their center was a first round pick, right? Um, O'Neill was what, first or second round? Second round. Uh, so they have, um, you know, in recent years, uh, obviously Cleveland uh, was a first rounder. And yep. so it's not like they haven't, in recent years at least, drafted high for that position. Now we can say, did they draft right? I think, obviously, O'Neill, they drafted right. Cleveland, to be determined. Bradbury, very much to be determined. Um, I'm not sold on him as the long-term answer at center, are you? No, not at all, um, not yet. So it's it's not like they haven't drafted anybody there. It's just um, – now, they, up until this point, it was neglect. I think there was, what, six or seven years when they drafted one person in the first round, first two rounds. Yep. So, but – you know, okay, so if you move O'Neal there, now you got to find a right tackle, and you still got to find a left guard. So <laughs> I know, um, I know. Um, I so I, I assume in your first round pick is is you know uh, an offensive lineman, a, a guard, or a tackle. You know, and then but you're young again. I mean, it goes back to you know if, if you draft a tackle, is he going to be ready to go? You know. Day one as your starter, you you need him to be at this point. You know, yeah, I know, I know. And and Chip, that brings me back to the big picture topic here. To me, is is this clearly with Spielman and Zim, there is an immediate pressure uh, to not only make the playoffs, but who knows, potentially win a playoff game, or they both could could be gone. Okay, so like we know what the pressure is, and we know that they are actively trying to make moves to win immediately, not in two yeah. years. Um, that being said, I find it very interesting how I think the rest of the league is perceiving them, and I don't blame them. So so their first two choices as far as defensive ends go, and I mean, these are positions that are like Zim's babies, right? So like mm-hmm. you know if you sign here, you are going to be put into a defense that's going to give you every opportunity to succeed. Lawson picked more cash, totally get that part, and the Jets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then they turned to plan B, which was Hendrickson, who went to the Bengals from the Saints. And, Chip, my perception of how people are looking at the Vikings is, yes, players will chase the big paycheck. I totally get that. But we have certainly covered situations and seen cases where guys say, you know what, your window of opportunity to win a Super Bowl is open, and so I'm going to get creative with my contract uh, Mm -hmm. to come play for you. The Vikings have seen that happen for them. I think the outside world looking in here with the chance to come here right now is saying hard pass because they see what I see, which is a team that's desperately trying to win. But it, but as Brett once said, it sure doesn't seem this time around like the pieces are in place. Yeah. And I, and I still think um, money will be the number one factor for most players yep. and it should, and it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but players talk, you know, I mean, all these players talk and, and agents know situations. And the other thing it might be is um, they probably know that if this team doesn't win this year, there's going to be likely a regime change, right? Yes. And you don't know what kind of system they're bringing in, what kind of, you know, whatever, if you're going to fit or not. So you might be looking more at a stability in terms of coaching. Um after this year that, that, you know, that you're looking for, but um, yeah, it, it'd be interesting to hear the perception of these free agents that are signing, like how they feel about the Vikings. Do you think it's a team on the decline or just kind of stuck, you know, in limbo a little bit? Um, I don't think they would look at it like a lost cause, a losing franchise. I, I don't think that perception's there, you know, cause you look at the talent they have with, on offense and, and Daniel back and, and Eric Kendrick. So I would be surprised if players thought, Oh, that's, that thing's hopeless. You know, I don't know that that perception's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they looked at it as like, okay, where is it going in terms of the coaching staff and all that? And how long, how secure is the coaching staff going to be there? Exactly. You know, that type thing. Yes, exactly. Right. And I will say this. So 
I, I don't think that they would look at the Vikings as a lost cause. I think that they would probably do what you said, though, which was to say it sure seems like a team that's stuck. And then keep in mind, too, and this is a big deal, right now it's out there publicly that, that perhaps when healthy, your best player, Hunter, he might be your best player, he's certainly mm-hmm. up there, um, is not being taken care of right now and might not show up for camp. And that mm-hmm. is a – my opinion is if if I am a, a guy like uh, Carl Lawson was, that's a big deal to me that I know that the guy I'm being told that I'm going to bookend with potentially to have this ferocious pass rush mm-hmm. might not be going to training camp and himself is not being taken care of because it is, despite the fact that, that uh, Hunter signed the contract, when you look at where he is now, which is below the 18th highest paid pass rush end, yeah. that that looks ridiculous. Yeah, you know it's been interesting um, after seeing Chad Graff's story from the Athletic. Um, just some of the reaction from the fans, um, really critical of of Daniel and you know, hey, you signed that contract, you should fulfill it, uh, that type of thing. And I understand the the you know the argument. I can buy a little that. Hey, you didn't play last year, and you're paid for it. But he he has outperformed that contract, and you never see the same blowback. Where were the defenders for Riley Reef taking a pay cut? And Kyle Rudolph, he signed a contract that he thought the team would live up to. So why are people? I know it's like a double standard. It's like, well, you know, I mean, Rudolph, he's he's not as good as what his contract says. He should take a pay cut, or you know, he's out of here, or, or Reef, you know, he's not worth that. He needs to take a pay cut. Well. Then use the same logic that you're using with Daniil. You know, yeah, I know. To be, it, it just drives me crazy. You know, it's like, the other thing is like, not your money. Why, why are you signing well, with a billionaire? I mean, you're like you're personally offended. It's not your money you're spending it on. And and if Hunter is healthy, that contract is damn near criminal. Like that contract, he's not sort of not paid well. He is for, for a guy who had. 14 and a half sacks in 2018 and then came back with the same amount of sacks in 2019. We're talking about a guy who is grossly underpaid. Well, what do you say? He's 18th among Ed Rush. Ed well, Rush's. no, he's fallen now. He's probably oh, yeah, like 22nd because of all these contracts being done. Yeah, the last couple of days, and that probably just further infuriates. I did find it interesting that he hasn't knocked anything down on, on Twitter. The only thing he knocked down from Graf's story on Twitter was. When, when Graf said an option was uh, to change his agent and to perhaps get one who could facilitate a trade, mm-hmm. and the and he got right on and said, like I, I don't know what what the name of his agency is, but you know such and such agency for life. That's the only thing yeah. that he knocked down. He did not he did not knock down one word of what Chad wrote about the fact that he is that he. I mean, when Ian Rappaport, I'll go back to this chip. When he co- tweet, yeah. yeah, but when he came out with that tweet in October, I mean that's real. He's not. Yeah. He's not like making stuff up. Ian Rappaport was told by the Hunter camp, this guy's not playing until he is among, if not the highest paid defensive player in the entire league. Yeah, I just, I just, I was looking at the Twitter or the, <clears throat> the tweet today. It says Daniel Hunter is having surgery to clean up a herniated disc, knocking him out for 2020. Minnesota has a decision this offseason to make Hunter the highest paid defender in football or trade him. Have we seen the last of him in Vikings uniform? He just didn't just like, it's like you know what? I'm gonna add this on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what can <laughs> I do today? Now stir it up. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll just add this on just for a little extra to this. Um, no, so it, <laughs> and it is interesting that yeah that um, uh, Daniel clearly saw the story and took issue with just one little thing with it, but not the the major point of it that he's unhappy and that he might seek a trade. So you know, some of this is just. Um, I don't know if, if typical is the right word, but, you know, I mean, heck, Dalvin quit doing off-season workouts last year, you remember? I mean, he, the yes. virtual stuff he said, I'm done with, you know, no more stuff for me until I get a new deal and it got done. So I would assume that what they're re- redoing, Thielen's contract, make, convert that to a signing bonus over base salary, and that's going to free up some room. And so I, 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 Guessing they're going to find some extra money for Daniel here pretty soon. That's my guess too. That's my guess uh, because now I, I get the fact that it's probably scary to do that with him coming off neck surgery. 
which is which is a little bit frightening. Um, but I but if he's not going if he's not going to show up for training camp, I don't know that you can go down that path unless you can trade him and get a haul. But when I say haul, I mean a haul. I don't mean a nice trade. I yeah. mean what two first round picks or something like that. Yeah, it would have to be a lot because this guy, when healthy, is special. He's well, very he's doing special. Things, yeah. Yep. I mean, he's doing things that are historic. So yeah. Um, now there is the unknown, as you mentioned, um, and the, and the and the Vikings have to be and their medical staff have to be comfortable with that he's one hundred percent, you know, back to where he was. But um, I think that's probably easy easy to do for them. Um, but I have to imagine that that thing's going to get done. And if it does, and then, you know, I keep thinking about that Super Bowl, Judd, and you have just this historic quarterback for the Chiefs and can do crazy things. He's a magician back there. And without, without an offensive line, he had no chance. I mean, nope. that, that game was all about offensive line, defensive line, one overpowering the other. And the greatest quarterback, you know, in the game right now, and it might go down as one of the greatest ever, looked just, you know, mortal. He couldn't do anything. And so, to me, that's where the, this whole thing about the Vikings offseason is about. you got to fix that defense line and got to show up the offense line. And we can talk about Cousins and trading him and, and all these different things, um, but it comes down to just the least sexiest thing of all in football is line play. Yep. But it's, that's their only way out. That's their only way to get better right now. Yep, and I, I think, so, off that point, my guess is this, Chip. Zimmer watched that game, and he didn't think to himself about the O-line, and he didn't think to himself about the quarterback from their perspective. What did he see? The defensive line. Exactly. Exactly right. He saw the defensive line, and he thought to himself, that's what I got to do. I got to get after yeah. the quarterback. I, but that's the one thing about what are you going to do internal push-wise. Now, now the one the one thing that I'm surprised that he didn't break out, and it was probably because of lack of talent um, in 2020, but the one thing that I will say about the Tomlinson pickup where you possibly could get around it on passing downs when Pierce comes out is would they find a way to try and replicate what they did in the playoff game against the Saints? because. That might have been yeah. Mike's greatest game plan to 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 take Hunter and Griffin unexpected unexpectedly by the way yeah. and put them inside. If you're going to do stuff like that, it could become intriguing. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I think there's more. I think we're seeing that more than on third downs on obvious, you know, the third and longs that you take the big, you know, the big monsters off the field and just get four pass rushers in there um, and just you know put them in the middle and be quick up the gut there. So I, I, I don't doubt that he will probably do that because we've seen it and we've seen it work. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably an option, but I, it'd be interesting to see what they end up with at that other defense end. Cause like I said, I, you know, I don't think they go into the thinking Weatherly the answer is a starter over there. They want, you know, someone. he's a depth guy, right? Like yeah, he's, he's a good a, depth guy. Hey, you know what? He's a guy that you come in, like we were just talking about. Third, when you want four pass rushers, you put him in there. You yep. know, you can put him inside. You can put him outside, you know. Exactly. But he's, not, he's, he's a rotational guy, not your starter. Exactly. All right, sir. Go for hoops. Mm. Patino, uh, Patino gets the axe, I believe, what, maximum 12 hours after he gets the, the axe, or as they put in the press release, parted ways with the Gophers. He gets the New Mexico <laughs> job. What is the next step here uh, for the Gopher basketball program as far as Mark Coyle hiring a new coach, do you think? Well, that's the thing. I mean, this is not anything that came as a surprise. So you would be naive to think that Coyle hasn't already been doing his homework and vetting candidates and talking to agents. Absolutely has. He's known he's going to fire him for a couple weeks. I mean, yep. everybody – I mean, it's, it's, you know, this doesn't take rocket science. And, and the fact that I don't think that – uh, Richard Pitino woke up yesterday and said, oh, I better apply for a job. Oh, I got New Mexico 12 hours. He, I mean, behind the scenes, you know they've been working on this. Of course. Um, it, so it, it's just how it works. But um, so clearly I'm sure um, Cole has his, you know, whatever, eight to ten initial list and then been working on it and talking to agents and figuring out. I think, God, I think there's a good pool of people that are being mentioned right now. Um, I really do. Mm-hmm. It, you're talking about sitting head coaches that have had success at 
lower levels. Me, I'm, I'm calling beeline first, and I, I'm, you know, probably a major long shot. But I just see, you know, his interest in it. And then I'd look really, really hard and see what it would take to get Eric Musselman. Um, obviously, his is interesting because I think there's, um, you know, he has a emotional attachment to this program, but he's got Arkansas rolling. They're number ten in the country, number three seed. You know, had a really good year. His buyout is five million right now, but on May first, it goes down to one point five million. That's a big difference. Yes. Um, yes. So if, if I felt like I could hire him. And he gave me assurance and didn't screw me on this thing. Um, I would wait, you know, or I'd go to Arkansas and say, listen, I'm hiring him on May 1st. We can wait, you know, to make that buyout go down or, but then you're looking for a coach in May too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it, it, but if, if, you know, if that doesn't work out, cause I'm sure Arkansas would, is going to give him a big raise, you know, and if you feel like it's too expensive, cause it, at least 3 million, you have to pay him annually at least. Ooh. Um, uh, probably three, 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 four is the night where it ends up. But if not, I mean, shoot, Porter Moser, look what he's doing at Loyola Chicago. He went to the Final Four. They're a number eight seed this year. They're number one in nationally in points in scoring defense. Dennis Gates at Cleveland State, you know, uh, longtime coach at Leonard Ham- under Leonard, Leonard Hamilton, top recruiter at Florida State. That program's really, really good. He got Cleveland State <laughs> into the NCAA and two years his second year and when he transferred there judd felt like the the coach that was before him was just awful until all the players hit the transfer portal they were gone i mean he didn't really have any players when he got there mm-hmm. uh two years later they're in the nca tournament so he's obviously attractive and then you have the local guys i mean dutcher and craig smith at utah state and nico medved at colorado state i mean these are sitting head coaches in mid-major conferences that um i think are gettable and i think they would be uh would do a good job in recruiting. And so I I think Coyle is going to land in a good spot, and he's done a good job hiring previously with other coaches, and I just think he's this is not going to be one of those situations where, like Patino, where you panic and hire the seventh guy. You know, I don't think it's going <laughs> to be that Woody. situation, though. Yeah, Thanks, Norwood. Hell of a job. Way to get Shaka smart. Yeah, exactly. So, um so yeah, I think just you know, and and you know, I did a column on Sunday where I it was outstanding, four, Chip. That was a great thanks, column. Thanks, yeah. So Loved I talked it. to four uh, uh, Division One coaches just about the job, not about what Richard did, but just like, hey, like, what do you think about the Gopher job? Like, uh-huh. you know, just your thoughts on it, you know, and and why you feel that way, and what do you think about Williams Arena and and the recruiting in the state? Um, and you know, there is some interesting stuff. I mean, most guys said, yeah, it's an eighth night job, it's middle of pack. But here's the thing, it's still a Big Ten job, <laughs> you know. Yep. It's a Big Ten job in a state where bad high school basketball is terrific right now. I mean, just an incredible improvement in high school basketball in the last 10 years. you got a state-of-the-art practice facility that's really nice, and we can, you know, everybody knows about Williams Arena. And, and I think these people misconstrued what coaches were saying there. They're not, they weren't saying that, oh, you can't win it there because Williams Arena is a dominant and it's all the kids don't like it. They're just saying it's a challenge. I mean, it's, yep. it, it absolutely is a challenge. I mean, doesn't mean you can't win there, but it's something you have to deal with. But um, I still think it'll be an attractive job for for coaches who are looking to move up. So what what do you think at this point in time, realistically, Chip, what do you think the expectation year in and year out of golfer basketball fans should be? I think that this should be a program that consistently gets in the NCAA tournament. I, I don't think that's unreasonable. I'm like Wisconsin? Like is yes. that is that a fair expectation? Absolutely. I'm not saying win the you know league every year or, or be top three, but just Minnesota high school basketball is one of the best states in the country. It's unbelievable, Chip. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, every doggone night I turn on the ESPN or flip around, there's a Minnesota kid playing. Um, you just have to find someone that can recruit him, and Richard just did not connect with the AU. AAU coaches and high school coaches and didn't put forth the effort that they thought. And again, you're not going to get every one of them and you don't have a, have a, a roster with 12 people. I'm not saying that, but you can't get beat by Marquette for Dawson Garcia. It can't happen. Yeah. You can't pick Isaiah Washington over McKinley, Wright. <laughs> no, you Terrible. can't. It cannot happen. Right. Jericho Sims, Texas. 
David Roddy, Colorado State. I mean, just go down the list. I mean, you can't miss on these people because, you know, there are kids that would have come here that went elsewhere that just didn't – they just missed on, didn't recruit hard enough. And so I think if you get a guy in here that connects with them, that can recruit, that puts the effort into it, you're going to get, you know, enough of them mm-hmm. to make this a better job, and then you start winning, and then that attracts them. And so I think it's, you know – Nine Big Ten teams got in this year, right? Yeah. Typically, what is it, seven, eight, whatever? There's, there's no – I'm not saying you have to go every year, but to be a regular team there, I mean, that's not – I don't think that's unrealistic for this job. Do you think, too, that – so, the, you, you've you know, we, we've talked about this with Patino a few times now, and um, the, the fact that when it came to recruiting locally and getting in with the high school and AAU coaches, he didn't do the same thing. And the name that keeps – uh, coming back to me off of that, and look, they're not the same guy, but it seems like the same deficiency. Glenn Mason, go for football. It feels like there's a big connection between their their inability to, I don't know what the word is, ingratiate themselves with the local coaches that probably cost both of them because they're, to your point, there is talent here to be had, but you do have to put the legwork in to get it. Yeah, I, um Yes, I don't think that Mace had the greatest relationship with the high school coaches here, but I will say this. There is no zero comparison between high school football in the state and high school basketball. None in yeah. terms of producing division one talent. But yeah. high school football, we we produce what? Seven, eight division one kids per year on average? And how many kids in the state go play at the Big Ten level? I'm not you know, there's some that might be lower level or whatever, but just Larinitis did. He'll never work yeah. here again. Exactly, they'll never get you out. So it's it's <laughs> no matter who the Gopher football coach was, it's Mason or Kill or Ned Fleck. You have to go outside yep. the state and get twenty. If you're signing twenty five kids, you have to go outside the state and sign twenty of them. Well, in basketball, you're signing four, and there is a ton of Division one kids in the state. And so, um, so I think it's it's just it's, it's almost apples and oranges a little bit. Um, but I, but I think the next coach, if you know, if you can make inroads with the AAU and have a good relationship and, and start to show signs that you're winning consistently, I think you're going to be able to keep some of these kids home. Why do you think the state got so good in in prep basketball when during my youth, like yeah. Jim Peterson came along and Randy Brewer and Khalid at the uh, is about my age? Okay, so yeah. I'm not saying that we didn't have any kids, but. You're right. It's yeah. become a factory. We we talk about the state of hockey. I yeah. mean, this has become a factory for not good but exceptional basketball talent. What's yeah, your theory? I did a, I, sorry, I did a uh, I did a a uh, pro uh, project a couple of years ago. I want to say four years ago, examining how we became the state of basketball and. Minnesota was slow to the game on AAU. Remember, way back when, the Minnesota State High School League had a rule in place that uh, barred kids from, from taking place in uh, competing in summer showcase events. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they changed that rule. And this was not just basketball. This was all sports. And so they changed that rule. And uh, like Jim Peterson um, told me the story that when he was a uh, McDonald's All-American he was out in California, got on the bus, and it was Doc Rivers and some of the other guys. And those, all the other players knew each other because they'd been playing in these national events around the country, and, and Jim Pete was not allowed to. So he, they didn't know who he was. They, you know, he was kind of the outsider. Uh, so then uh, once AAU came along, it was Mark Klingsporn, the old partner coach now, and another coach, I think, from Edina at the time. But they created the first kind of AAU program and it just exploded. And now you have oh, yeah. dozens and dozens and dozens of AAU programs, and more kids are playing year-round, and it just became a big thing. And so the thing that, even from the time that I've been here, you know, 21 years, um, the biggest change that I've seen, one, you have more high-level kids, and that's obvious. I mean, you know, back then we had Adam Boone, and you'd have – you know, Rick Rickert, the occasional star. Oh, sure. Yep. And we have more of those, but the biggest difference, Judd, is that I see, and I go to a lot of high school basketball games because my kids and just because I love it, but 
the five, six, seven, eighth kid on every varsity team is so much better than what it used to be because all those kids are playing year round now, and yeah. so you just have more depth of kids that are really good players and and uh, and you know college players, whereas Division One or Division Two, just kids are playing year round now because their AAU is a big part of uh, of that landscape. Are you telling me that, that these that these depth guys are superior to the guys on my Benil team when I kept <laughs> stats in 1987, 88? Are you telling me that there's more talent now? I can't believe that. Well, I mean, you know, I look at Eastridge and, you know, we have, you know, a kid that's a backup that's going to go play at St. John's. And, and you can say, okay, it's Division three, but he has Division two offers and, uh, you know, St. John's is one of the top Division three programs. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's, it's a very good program, and I mean, this kid's a talented player. And I think every probably program has those stories. And so, um, just kids, you know, it, it just became a year-round thing. Where in the past it was seasonal. You know, kids would just basketball yep. season would, would be over, and, and hockey wasn't, but basketball was. Yeah, in, in March, and because you couldn't go play in summer events, you could do team stuff, but it couldn't be individual AAU stuff. And so, yep. um, it just you, you put down the basketball, and you went on to something else, and now it's just kids keep playing year round. Man, um, so on a scale of one to ten, ten uh, Chip Scoggins, where are you at as far as your um, your wild fever? Man, I'm up there, probably nine, ten. Woo! Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, I watch, I pretty much watch every game. This team's. Uh, it's crazy, Judd. I mean, did you think they'd be this good? Uh, no, but I didn't realize Kaprizov was this good. And and I, I actually did a uh, thing on this last night. Um, the thing to me, one of the differences that we probably should focus on more is the goaltending now is drama-free. Yeah. Yes. Talbot yeah. and, and Capo have been outstanding, but they're drama-free. I mean, how many games did you watch on TV, Chip, or go to – where the Wild appeared to be in good shape, and then uh, and then a guy threw a, a centering pass that went off Dubnik's skate. You know, the, yeah. dra- the lack of drama in goal and just the good, solid goaltending is, I think, a really underrated por- portion of this team's success so far. Well, and you hear guys talk about it. It's it's you know, the pressure you feel when you know you got to go out there and score three goals um, to win. It's you know you you, you just yeah. know there's going to be a bad goal and it's just deflating. Um, and, you know, to have Goppel playing that great. I mean, obviously he showed it at a lower level, but um, to be able to carry that forward and do it at this level is, you know, I mean, <laughs> they're pretty set there, I would think, if this continues. I mean, you know, you got to see more body of work, but, I mean, he obviously looks like the real deal. But uh, going back to Kaprizov, it was funny. I, I talked to Billy Garen for a column before the season, and uh, so I, I was just talking to him about – just the team and expectations. I was like, yeah, I went to practice today and it's weird. I didn't see uh Kaprizov. I thought I was expecting him to kind of float above the ice when he came out and with the smoke billowing and, <laughs> and Billy started laughing. He's like, he said, all I want for him is to be a happy, productive member of this team. Nothing more, nothing less. And he's going to, he's a member of this team and that's all he, that's all he has to focus on. And I was like, and he paused. I was like, that's pretty good. That sounded good. And he's like, and Billy said, thanks, I've been rehearsing now. Garrett's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. He's hilarious. That's so true. They try so hard. But, I mean, you you know the culture of that sport, right? Yeah, Everyone's a part of the team. I, the whole line's playing great. Everyone's playing great. It's like, no, your team is driven by one guy, which, by the way, is fine. I know. Overdue. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny. Like, oh, man. I've been rehearsing. It's it, yeah. it clear. He started laughing. I mean, they, they knew what they had, but you just kind of have to play that game. Like, yeah. I'm up expectations on him. And then, you know, then he's one of the best players in the NHL right now. So, he's incredible. He is yeah. so much fun. And, and he is the one thing. So if you would ask me, what's the one advantage to fans going back to games? You know, Twins, Wild, Vikings, yeah. um, Wolves potentially. I would say the one adva- the the biggest thing to going back to games will be to be able to get fans in the X just mm. to watch Kaprizov away from the puck because the amount of stuff that he does and how special a player he is and skater TV cannot come close to doing him justice. Well, Judd, yeah, the, the other night we had the hat trick. His second goal, oh. the, the the camera was trained on him, and he oh. was he coming off a line change, right? And he came off the bench. Yeah, gets the puck. Gets the puck Circles around, one fluid motion, kind of, you know, 
creates some space for him with a quick move and then, and then scores off that wrist. I mean, how many guys in the history of the Wild could make that play? Oh, Gabrick, maybe. Uh, I'm not positive, but I think he could. I think he could have come close. Um, he made it look effortless, Judd. Like he was just playing. yeah, not probably two. He pro- I mean, probably crazy. Gabrick like, and, and, and him, and just how fluid and easy that he made that look. And so you're right. Like speaking to the fans, like imagine that place filled. Oh, and they show that, or he does that, and then they show the replays. I mean, it's going to be just electric in there, and that's. This is what they've been missing, yep. you know, a player that gets people out of their seats and does stuff like that. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, I just hope for good health for the kid that, you know, because he's, he's going to be just incredible as his career goes along. And he's a tough kid. I do like that. He'll, he'll stand up for himself, and he will hit you, and he's strong as an ox. Like, he takes guys off the puck. He does. That's the thing is he combines he combines the skill, and or I'm sorry, he combines the work with the skill. So he's yeah. not only extraordinarily talented, but he's strong enough and willing enough to go in the corner and take the puck away from you, yeah. and then and then you see the skill. Well, that's the thing. I was, I was going to mention that earlier in that game is the first period when it's zero zero. But there was a he uh, one of their players uh, had the puck along the boards, and he went in there and battled and took the puck away from him. Yes. And I, I remember thinking, I was like. Yeah, you don't really see that. You know, I didn't know he had that part of his game where he's, you know, he's going to be physical and take, you know, win battles along the boards. I mean, we we know he can do the high level skill stuff, but that, I mean, that just kind of stuck with me. And then he had the hat trick, so it kind of, you know, you don't think about it. But as you were saying, I was like, man, yeah, he had that play the other night where it's just like, and it was just so. I don't know if routine's the right word, but it's like for him to do that, you're like, man, he's got some toughness about him too. Oh, absolutely, but but the. The uh, goal that you're talking about, the second goal in the third period on Friday night, um, that puck looked like it was attached to a string. Like th- mm-hmm. that that's what makes him so special. And and he makes it look effortless. So it doesn't look hard to do. But I mean, he literally went through what, Chip? Three guys? Three yes. opponents? Yeah. He basically went through them to get that shot off. And, you know, the majority of guys, if they try to stunt like that, Probably lose the puck to the first, if not the second guy. The thing that um, that I think is special about him that's just kind of cool to watch is just his feel for the game. It's like he's seeing things ahead of time. He does. Like passes or he does. Just, I don't know if it's instincts or what it is or just a feel for the game. But like, you know, the drop pass he made, the blind drop pass where a guy's on the doorstep for the assist, you know, a couple weeks or a week ago or whatever. And then it just seems like he can see a play developing before a lot of guys. You he know, does. Where no he, question. You know, like I make a pass there. No question. I mean, and, 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 and I don't think you can coach that. No. Right? You either have that or you don't. And I think that's where he's he's just a different player, just his instincts and anticipation of things and vision or how things are going to open up on the ice. He and Zuccarello are their chemistry, and I don't mm. know why. It's just, uh, it's just a thing. Um, it's incredible. Chip, he made a pass last night to Zuccarello, and he was off to the side just a little bit of the Coyotes' goal, mm-hmm. where he literally so so he literally like took the puck through his legs, and then he made the pass and wrapped the stick around his body, and I don't know how he did it with, without dislocating his back, um, and it didn't result in a goal, but it was incredible, and the thing with Kaprizov is he literally can play the game in a phone booth. Watch his yeah. passing and watch where the stick is. Like ordinarily, most human beings need to extend their arms a little bit. He mm-hmm. make he makes passes with his arm basically against his um, his chest and stomach, and I don't know how he does it. Yeah, it's it, well that yeah, it's another one of those things where you like you don't teach that; it's just a God given thing that the yes. guy has. How much credit do we give Dean Everson? for allowing this kid to have his creativity and just the overall success of this team. Cause I mean, I think there's some questions like, okay, you know, he, the wild responded to the coaching change last year, but it was a small sample size. I think this guy's the really good fit for this group. Um, and I like that he doesn't try to harness guys too much. He, he, lets, he just lets the, you know, the rookie phenom do his thing. So I thought, and I still think sort of that he got the job based on Garen, one to fire Bruce. Something went down there. Bruce did something. 
And so Bill Bill wanted his guy because I do believe that Bill Guerin has played a huge role in some of the shots being called here, okay? Mm-hmm. But I thought that because um, of the stoppage and things, that Craig probably told Bill, you know, I'm not going to go hire a different coach now and pay that guy, keep Dean. But all of that being said, to back up, I did not give Dean nearly enough credit because he has done a great job. And there's there's two things that play off your point that to me are just incredibly impressive. And and one is a no bleep Sherlock move, and one is difficult. Allowing Caprice have the freedom to be himself is, uh, of course, he should, and he has. Credit to him for that, but that's not a hard call if you're smart enough to realize how talented that that uh, Kaprizov is. The second thing he's doing that's incredibly tough, and he is really doing it, Zach Parisi mm-hmm. is barely playing. I, I and it's sad to watch, and I want to make this clear at every turn. Zach Parisi, while he overstayed his welcome on a shift and got benched for a game for doing it, and that was a selfish move, Zach Parisi continues to work his ass off. This is not a work yeah. problem. Yeah. Zach Zach Parisi, as far as I can see right now, Chip, compared to the speed of this game, and this comes quick for a lot of guys now because the sport's so fast, has fallen off the cliff. But the Wilds yeah. acknowledging that, and they're not playing him much, and they are withholding his minutes of time drastically. In crunch time. In, th- in third period crunch time, right? And, Chip, that's not an easy call to make. Like, like I realize... Fans will come back and say they should. It's a diff- it's a difference to say they should and they will. Well, especially two things. One, if you're trying to trade a guy, you want him to. It, it probably doesn't help that you're benching him, you know. And I don't know that they're trying to. They did last year, and, and maybe they they'll still try to do it. But two, um, it puts pressure on the coach, you know, to keep mixing and matching lines when you're not playing a guy. Yep. And 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 you're having to sit him, um, and. I don't think it's attitude either. It's not something like that. It's just it's performance, right? I mean, it's it's style of play and, and just not having the trust in that in that player right now. And so, do you keep on down that path, Judd, or at some point, or is there going to be a change with Zach? I think there's going to have to be a change at some point, and I don't know. But I, Chip, I, I can tell you, if this is if he's not hurt right now, like if there's nothing wrong, yeah. um, I don't know how long he can play. Because this this isn't a fourth line garbage time guy just still yeah, trying no, 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 no. like this is a, a once elite player yeah. and and what made him so elite was he combined he combined skills that, that of course don't ap- approach Kaprizov skills but mm-hmm. with work that was unbelievable and I think it's caught up to him physically now and yeah. I don't I don't know how much longer if if this is really just him now how much longer does he because I mean there's a lot of pride here. Does he yeah. want to go on doing this? Well, how many, I mean, what's his age? He's 30. 37. I think he's 37. And what, three years left in that deal? Which, you know, I mean, nothing you can do about that now. But, um, yeah, at some point, I mean, he, I mean, you can be a good soldier all you want, but if you're not playing and, you know, you have pride, at some point you wonder if he has to be traded or whatever, you know. Um, right, but I mean, the problem is, though, does he if he's not going to change now, Chip, like there's not going to be he's not going to get traded, I don't think, and get a second wind. No, yeah, no, this is I mean, that's, and he's a prideful teams dude. Are dummy teams are scouting games. I mean, they're not. Yeah. They're, well, they're, and he not, knows it, though, too. I'm, I'm saying for if you're Zach, OK, yeah, like you well, are to walk away from money. Yeah, I know. But I mean, you are you are literally watching people fly by you and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. Well, it's a conundrum. Yeah, and it's, yeah I mean, it's. I, I don't know what the right answer is there, or what if there is a right answer. Um, but it's yeah. the other thing, you know, kind of off topic. But sure. think about how good they are with that power play. Imagine if that I, thing ever starts to click. You're exactly right. <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> I mean, normally that's where you know teams are good. Teams are good in that area, right? I mean, oh, and there. How many good teams are this bad on the power play? Well, they're not. <laughs> Chip, they're like eight percent. You you have to try to be. And again, last night it looked awful. Last night, I know it, it looked it's lost. Unbelievable that they're so good five on five and just cannot figure it out on the power play. I, I don't, you know, I don't know enough well, about hockey to even offer a theory on on how you fix it. You know, I'll, I'll tell you the two things. The be, be, because the one player that is suffering the most from the fact that 
center-wise, they really don't have a top two guy. And Erickson X a really good three, and he suffices at, as a two. Um, Fiala. And yeah, I know. Yeah. If, if you got him a real center, I'm talking a real one, because Kaprizov is so good that he can almost be a, a hybrid wing center himself and because he can create plays. Fiala yeah. can finish plays really well, but he needs a creator there. And if mm-hmm. and if you would if Garen and I don't know that it might be too expensive to do before the the deadline, which I think is April twelfth. If Garen addresses the center position and gets a real a real good one, um, Fiala becomes much more dangerous. And I'll tell you right now, if that happens, the power play does too. Yeah, and if yeah, I'm sure there's it's, it's got to be from the outside. Um, and we can talk about that next time. But as the as the trade deadline gets closer, but it's going to be a fascinating thing for Billy because you got this team that's probably um, overperforming what you thought. Um, so you may want to add to it to say, Hey, you know, let's, let's see if we can bolster this thing. But I don't know. I start messing with the prospect pool or giving up yeah, exactly. you know, key assets off the team right now. Um, I don't think I would do that. So it'll be interesting to see how he, views the team and what it needs versus sticking to his long-term uh, plan for building this thing for like two, three years down the line, where it's, you know, has the potential to really make a big leap once you get some of these young prospects up here. Exactly right. All right, sir. Great stuff. I will talk to you next week. Chip, Chip Scott. All right, brother. We'll All see. right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.